Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Confluence Cast presented by Columbus Underground. We are a weekly Columbus-centric podcast focusing on the civics, lifestyle, entertainment, and people of our city. I'm your host, Tim Fulton. This week, in anticipation of this fall's election, the Confluence Cast is endeavoring to introduce Columbus voters to the 12 council and two mayoral candidates in their own words. Today, Farhan Jetty candidate for Columbus City Council District 5, discusses his background, how he believes council can help better the city's distressed neighborhoods, and the value of having a representative in each district. You can get more information on what we discussed today in the show notes for this episode at theconfluencecast.com. Enjoy the interview. Sitting down here in person with Farhan Jete. Farhan, how are you? I uh, fantastic. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm, I'm honored to be here today. This is uh, I feel very special. Well, good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad. Well, and you're the first of the candidates I've interviewed as yes. well. Farhan is running in District 5 in the upcoming Columbus City Council election. If you could start just by telling us about yourself and how that relates to your candidacy, how it got you here. Well, my name is Farhan JT, and obviously you can tell by that kind of name. It's not your average American name, mm-hmm. and but also my uh, with my amazing accent, you can see my background is not my English is not my first language. Okay, we I moved we moved here in Columbus back in 1996. Uh, we I was we were originally from Somalia. Somalia is in East Africa, so we had a civil war, mm-hmm. real bad one, and we have to cause sort of a Go to a refugee camp, new life. Uh, I was about what eight years old at the time. We moved to Kenya. Then the American government came by to help us out. Uh, for the first push, he said. Mm-hmm. He said H W. Yeah. Yeah. He sent troops to Somalia to assist because the f- there was a severe famine, and the civil war was, was terrible. And out of all the nations in this world, George Bush, the first one, the, my favorite Bush. <laughs> <laughs> it's the uh, one that felt like out of uh, the mercy of the United Nations, they came out, they helped us out, they uh, destabilized the civil war. But there was a little bit of a peace because of that. But unfortunately, then I'm sure you heard the horror story about Block Hack Down. Mm-hmm. That's when it took. That's where it took place. Yes, that's when it took place. Uh, and then somehow, by faith, I'm Muslim, mm-hmm. and there was a church that came to the refugee camp. They're the one who actually sponsored us and brought us to United uh, United States. Your family, our family. Yeah. Got it. And we we migrated. The first location we stayed was uh, Springfield, Virginia. We stayed about two years. Life was tough because it was so expensive outside of DC. Then one of my uncles, and for, uh, fortunately, he actually had a friend who he helped out to move to Indianapolis, and he had another friend west of Columbus, and he stayed over for a couple of weeks. At that time, my parents. They used to work at fast food and cleaning. Okay. And an average, I think, pay cost or per, per hour used to be $4.15. Mm-hmm. And the house we lived at the time, we were paying close to 2100 Oh, wow. Uh, this is 1994. Big family or? Huge. Okay. Uh, we were seven, plus mom and dad, plus other relatives. Uh-huh. So it was four plus basement. So you could... Imagine, you know, typical my immigrant family. Yeah, and we always have a, we always live together, so it's, it's, it was a normal life. 
just having a lot of how people, individuals at, at home. It's part of lifestyle. It's just the way we are family oriented we are. Uh, so anyways, my uncle, he actually, his friend was working at a warehouse. He was making almost 7,050 cents. He called my father. I said, we need to move within three weeks. I think at that time, it was around July, mid-July. By the beginning of August, we migrated to Columbus, Ohio. Okay. We settled down in northern uh, Linden. Uh-huh. Then we moved to right next to where Northland Mall used to be. Yeah. I don't know if you recall that. Very uh, much so, yeah. Yeah. So, And then I um, ended up going to Linda McKinley High School. Okay. Very scary situation. First day I was in that, I, this stuck with me. I, I remember my homeroom was uh, history class, and I think it was Mr. Morris, my teacher. And everyone in the class was knocked out, sleep. Okay. This is a little bit of culture shock because I'm coming from an area where it's a little bit more economy-wise. It's, it's Fairfax, one of the richest uh, counties in the nation. Okay. And so you can imagine the school system that they have. Bit, uh, quote unquote, better. Right. Cream of the crop. Yeah. Then, unfortunately, Columbus at, at that time is way different. It was mm-hmm. the other side of the spectrum. Yeah. And everyone in the class was asleep, first period. And one kid had a gun. He fell off. That's how we came to find out. Okay. For my first day of the class, you can imagine, I was panicking. The last time I saw a gun, we were at the WG camp. Hmm. And here I am panicking. But that's the experience that I, um, yeah, that, I, that stuck with me at that area. But Linda McKinley was, was a blessing on the car struggle. I gained a lot of good friends, mm-hmm. a lot of good experiences, a lot of life lessons. I ended up graduating from Linda McKinley, ended up going to, not far from Linda McKinley, to a high Dominican, uh-huh. into a Catholic institution. Now, here I am as a Muslim guy. By the way, one of the best decisions I ever made, going to that institution. Okay. I loved that school. I loved the people. I loved the administrators. Made a lifetime friends. Mm-hmm. And uh, here I am. Uh, I Columbus is home. Columbus is where I... Um, uh, we have about 153 individuals, family members, in Columbus. Directly related to you. Directly related to me. Cousins, okay. uncles, aunties, their kids. And I'd be remiss if I didn't point out, Columbus is, the, I believe, the second largest Somali population in the country. So this is not a uh, an uncommon story, right? Right, right. Columbus, well, if you look, if by state, I think we have the most Somalis. But, but in oh. the metropolitan part, where I used Minneapolis right. have that. Right. So um, I, this is where I established business. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I have three kids. I have 16-year-old, 14-year-old, and 11-year-old. Got it. And so I, on a typical uh, Somali family, it's six. But they call me, I'm a little bit Americanized. So, so only three. <laughs> it's only three. Got it. Got <laughs> it. So I underachieved on that department. Okay. But overall, though, I, um, Columbus is home. Columbus is where the future is. Columbus, there's so much that Columbus has given me, mm-hmm. especially this community that we lived in. And, and I owe them so much because they're the friends that I have. But at the same time, this is the neighborhoods that I grew up into, and it's deteriorating in so many different ways. And uh, it's time to give it back. I, I, I believe in loyalty, and I believe sincerity. And if I don't, we don't improve within our co- neighbors, who are we? He says a lot about who we are. And uh, I'm running for Columbus City Council at the moment. And one of the reasons why I'm running is because there's so much stuff that's, that we can improve on. Mm-hmm. 
that and I felt like it's time for me to give it back. I was always one of those individuals that encourage others to run for office. Mm-hmm. And I did that so many times that finally I asked that question myself. And I took, I, I took the responsibility to do that. It's not easy. It's challenging. Obviously, you have to put your, my business pause, my personal life pause, and mm-hmm. dedicate myself to the service. And even if we don't succeed, I think it's still a success because we need to get this message across by bringing more awareness to these issues that we have. And even if you know my opponent, whoever he is, uh, we have to also figure out a way where we can improve the situation, regardless of the outcome of the results. So. Translating back what I'm hearing, you brought you you're coming to run for Columbus City Council because you believe that you have an obligation to serve not only the city as a whole but also your community specifically. Absolutely, my community and the, and my is also the community that I grew up into in Linden area. Mm-hmm. I've it's it's a it's 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 a duty that I have to give it back. It's because of. Do we need a representation at the end of the day? We definitely do need to have a representation. We need a voice for, uh, to, and there has to be accountability. There has to be collaboration. There has to be transparency. At the end, we are the city taxpayers, and we have to have a, a say so. Unfortunately, for the past 16 years, the current city, uh, city council and the administration have been recycling the same policies mm-hmm. and look, and they're expecting completely different results. But as a constituent, we feel otherwise. Can you talk through some of those issues you believe that the city is facing that you would want to address as a council member? Some of the public safety is number one. And I think the way they have, but how they conduct themselves and how, where they let us is not the best way. The community and the, uh, for instance, the department of the police department and the mm-hmm. community, there's no a great relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of hostility going on, and at the end of the day, the individuals who are patrolling our streets are from our communities. Mm-hmm. So we need to. There has to be a relationship between the community and the police department. Yes, there's a bad apples in the police department. Yes, my own nephew has actually been assassinated by Columbus Police Department by, by Columbus PD at okay. East Main, and he was only 14 years old. Okay, at CBS East Main. I'm sorry, who's your nephew? Uh, Abdurrahman Salat. Okay. Yeah, unfortunately, he passed away on January 24, 22, 2019. Okay. And it was a, uh, it's, it's really hard to remember. It's, it's, it's hard to process that. Till the, till it's hard to imagine that. Uh, he was a kid, he was in high school, he, he was drifted mm-hmm. uh, by other influence, unfortunately, at that time. And it's, it's, it's heartbreaking to, to even say his name, okay, to remember his face. Sometimes when you, he's, it was really a very hardworking kid, but unfortunately, because of other influences, he ended up into a certain way where he was shoplifting here and there. Okay. And, but at the time when he got killed, there was, I think there was an incident within the store, CVS store, mm-hmm. and when the cops showed up, they started immediately shooting him. And the investigation is still on. There's no outcome result yet, so far. And it has been, I don't know, forever. But even though I'm feeling that way, I felt like there has to be a better relationship 
between the community and the Columbus Police Department. Mm -hmm. And we need to, because the officers themselves are human beings. Yeah. Mental health is real. Mm -hmm. There's so much stress they, in, in, they encounter. And we got to figure out a way where there is a better dialogue, a better training. Uh, whatever they do right now, it's not working. Right. We got to figure something out. That's one. Second is that I don't know if you uh, live in the city, but there's some of these distressed neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. There's a food deserts. Yeah. All over. High school levels, when kids graduate high school, and there's nothing for that kid to do. There's a career centers, but there's absolutely none. We want to have, have a plan of proposing a school trades, such as carpentry, welding, home economy. economy. I think they took that away. Mm -hmm. And uh, SDNAs. So we poverty is the issue, and unfortunately, the leadership have not really have, have zero solutions for these issues. But we know that we have the best solutions to resolve this issue. It's just a matter of getting going out there and uh, introducing this to the, to the masses. And I'm sure everyone will welcome based on the solution and the formula that we have. Absolutely. What other issues would you want to address? Transportation is one of the biggest issues that we definitely do need to address. Uh, okay. The current system that we have has not worked for the past 15, 20 years. Uh, there's a better way. This is a city where the, the region where it's, it's going to be the uh, Silicon Valley of Midwest. Mm -hmm. The current system that we have, it's not. Columbus is the third worst I think, air quality cities in the United States. Okay. And uh, obviously we have a climate situation that we need to, to address on that end. And we wanted to do the level up. It's a system that Columbus City has been talking about since 2021. And they want to dedicate about $100 million so far. So far it's just nothing but talk. There is no solution. We have a solution to introduce streetcar train. Mm -hmm. it's, uh, it can reduce the pollution. It can create more jobs, mm -hmm. and it can actually take more people at once. So those are, I think, the areas that we felt like we need to address more. Obviously, the biggest one we have is that affordability. And I Housing. hear, yeah, absolutely. Well, and I hear you keep saying we, and I think that that it's not to put words in your mouth. It's reflective of both the community that you represent and the city as a whole. Yes. The, Yes, the community. What I mean by the community is the constituents of Columbus City overall. Yeah. Yeah. So we are the people's candidates. So that's the reason why we say we. Okay. Yes. Almost the royal we. <laughs> uh, talk to me about if you have thoughts on the new district structure that Columbus City Council is going to be under. This is the first time that we, I, in a long time, I don't know how long, but we see all the city council, including the mayor, is running for our office. All right. All of them, and there's a, a two districts that they recently added on. Mm -hmm. And well, there were no districts. There were there no, new, two new seats. Right. Two new seats and a total of uh, nine different districts. Mm -hmm. The significance of the district, the way that I understood, is that the only way that it can benefit me is that if I'm getting the petitions only for that district. Okay. But the vote is coming from citywide. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's something that needs to be revisited. We need to go back to the city charter, mm -hmm. and, and maybe when it comes to voting, it's specifically supposed to come from the district. Okay, and I, it makes more sense that way. But the way the current system is not, 
it's, it's, it's confusing. Mm-hmm. It makes no sense. But at the same time, it's benefiting. We know who it's going to benefit, the current administration of the city council, but it's okay. But we as a constituency have a say-so. It's one of the things about the downfall that this uh, administration and city council have. They really do not prioritize the needs and the opinion of the constituencies. Okay. It's, a, it's almost they make the decision. There's no transparency. There's no collusion, collaboration. There's no, there's none. And then when they make that decision, they make it public. And then they don't take the, they don't consider the suggestions of their constituencies. And that's something we would definitely want to make a change. This is with this is one of the most undemocratic cities in the United States. It's only Portland, Oregon, and Columbus that have the, this current system that we currently have. The rest of the cities, more majority of them, have war system. Mm-hmm. And one of the main excuses they always make is that war, bring, war system brings corruptions. Well, the Columbus is different. So let the constituencies make their own choices. Don't make the choice for them. I don't want to push back against you, but do you see value in basically the step towards that representation in that there is a candidate in each of those districts? Excuse me, there's a representative Excuse me, there will be a representative in each of those districts. Do you see value in that? You have to live in District 5 in order to be the District 5 council person. I see the value of that. But is that going to bring a different solution? No, at the end of the day, it comes down to the policy that has been set to Mm -hmm. make the city move forward. But the benefit that I... It would benefit specifically for that ward or for that district if that the voting is strictly coming from that district because then they will be more informed about the individual but right now now, right now everything's blanket well and there's an argument that you would be held more accountable to the folks that live in your district exactly but is that something that they want to see change only when we get elected hopefully we'll have the opportunity to make those changes well and this is a new thought for me but i'm super interested to see what the voting results look like for uh, let's for you, for example, who's one of the few candidates who has somebody you're running against. Mm-hmm. Will the person who won in District Five end up being the person who got the most votes in District Five? That'll be super interesting to look at after uh, after all said and done. That'll be, you're right. I yeah. think that'll be very interesting. But at the end of the day, it's not about whether we win the district or not. It has to be whoever gets most of the votes for citywide. Exactly. Yeah, that is how it's going to be tallied. Yeah. So um, finally, I wanted to ask you what, uh, you know, what is your pitch? What's your unique value proposition? Why should folks vote for you? First of all, I'm not a politician. Okay. I, I've, I, what I... One of the things, I want to go back to some of the issues, specifically the trade schools. I think that's okay. the one that's going to change. I think one of the biggest issues that we have in this city is poverty. And the poverty has a very strong grip in a different areas, in different spectrum in, in our lives. And one of the ways we can improve that is that we implement trade schools in a young age, in even middle school, some okay. sort of a t- skill. And when that individual finished high school, they have certificate either being a plumber, electrician, STNA, or carpenter. And they can have their own independent specific LLC. And they can make 80000 a year. And that's going to uplift the whole community. 
and they will have alternative. Not every kid, by the way, is going to go to a college. Mm-hmm. So it's always good to have that alternative route. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that would create it actually uh, more entrepreneurship within the communities. And they, those individuals will have the skills for the rest of their lives. I think we used to have this program back in the days, but unfortunately, recently, we implement, for the past 15, 20 years, mm-hmm. career centers. And that has not produced a very productive society, in my opinion. Okay. Another uh, uh, topic that I really want to go back into is the food deserts. Mm-hmm. And the food deserts and the transportation are sort of aligned. What I mean by that is the food deserts in some of the neighborhoods, what we have collaborated with Ohio State, some of the professors in the agriculture department, we have collaborated, had a long conversation and uh, urban food farmers and Mm -hmm. farmers and food distributors. And our goal is to bring in a way where they can bring those products to the inner cities, in the stressed neighborhoods, into the convenience stores and have a conversation with those specific convenience stores who are selling a gallon of milk, $7, mm-hmm. to those neighborhoods you know, to create a section to, for the, to fresh produce. One of the reasons is neighborhoods are becoming food deserts because the kitchen of those houses became desert because of the fast food. We got to change that. There's going to be a, there's a heavy population where we have a diabetes and, and obesity. Is because of the food, the quality of life, and the food that we're eating, and we can actually help that in the long run by producing this kind of options to those neighborhoods. And unfortunately, some of our elders in some of these neighborhoods they don't have the transportation to go to Kroger's and mm-hmm. buy a week effort food. And we have to improve transportation. I don't know if you ride a Coda bus, but it's, it's not 15 minutes wait. It's not 30 minutes wait. It's, so we got to figure out a way where when we implement these cars, street cars, street cars will work only throughout maybe three, four miles within downtown. So Coda can have more fluent system where they can ex- have a faster, or maybe less waiting time. Mm-hmm. Where those elders, when they go to Kroger's and they have week, week worth of sh- grocery shopping, mm-hmm. they, they can carry around. Right? They don't have to wait forever. I know they don't have the strength, but sometimes we got to figure out a way where maybe we can have a conversation with CODA, they can provide additional transportation. We have to look out for our elders, for our youth, and those individuals who are in some of the distressed neighborhoods. At the end of the day, we are one family. We live in this city together. It's mm-hmm. going to affect us directly. So there has to be a little bit of a sincerity. We have to care for one another. Absolutely. I know uh, uh, some people, they look at the bottom line. Yes, look at the bottom line. Improve, get more richer by helping out your own, your own community. I end every interview by asking two quick questions. One is, what do you think Columbus is doing well? And two, what do you think Columbus is doing not so well? Well, the region is doing well. I don't know if Columbus is doing well. Okay. Uh, What I mean by that is, fortunately, we recently had Intel coming into the region. We have Honda coming into the the region. And, Mm -hmm. And one of the things that Columbus is not doing well is that Columbus Public Schools are not take, uh, not taking advantage of those programs by producing scholarships from into those institutions to into the school system, hmm. because those school those individuals when they 15, 10 years from now when they finish high school they need to be on the workforce with and they have to be equipped with the right skills, and some of the leaderships are not taking advantage of these opportunities for these youngsters to set up the, for the long run. Okay. Yeah. 
Farhan, thank you for your time. Oh, anytime. Thank you so much. It's been great. Thank you for listening to the Confluence Cast presented by Columbus Underground. Again, you can get more information on what we discussed today in the show notes for this episode at theconfluencecast.com. Please rate, subscribe, share this episode of the Confluence Cast with your friends, family, contacts, enemies, your favorite businessmen. If you're interested in sponsoring the Confluence Cast, get in touch with us. We can be reached by email at info at theconfluencecast.com. Our theme music was composed by Benji Robinson. Our producer is Philip Cogley. I'm your host, Tim Fulton. Have a great week.